Well, we are five days away from Christmas 2015, and what I thought I would do with you this morning is to take some time here and talk to you about what Christmas is truly all about. We will look at some scriptures this morning that will take us back in time to a night that was without a question the most amazing night in all of history. Now, not all of the world recognizes that night as the most amazing night in all of history, but we as born-again Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should most certainly recognize and understand the importance of what Christmas truly is all about, and more specifically, what happened on that night long, long ago. So let's start out this morning by opening our Bibles to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we'll start reading down in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So here we see a very important fact regarding the birth of our Lord and Savior. His mother-to-be, Mary, was engaged to Joseph, and she was now pregnant. And this was, of course, a very peculiar thing, since it says here that she was found with child before they came together. And as we continue to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ here this morning, I really want us to get the full picture of the story. So again, I'm going to be jumping back and forth um, a little bit between some scriptures with you here this morning. But go ahead and mark this page because we'll come back to it here in Matthew. But let's now turn to the Gospel of Luke. It's to the right of Matthew, of course, Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Um, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look down, um, I'm going to actually read verses 26 through 35 here. So looking down, starting in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So this is how Mary became pregnant. She was perplexed as to how this would happen since she had never been with a man, but the angel Gabriel explained to her how it would take place. The Holy Spirit came upon her. And the power of the highest, it says, overshadowed her. And as a result of this, the Son of God was now in her womb. Now go ahead and turn back to Matthew chapter 1. Now I know I've already read to you verse 18, but let's read it again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph now wants to call the whole thing off, okay? He knew that he had walked in his integrity and purity with himself and with Mary. So Joseph here was probably pretty crushed to say the least, right? And he wanted to find a way to call off this engagement. But being the good and the godly man that he was, he wanted to do it in a matter that wouldn't shame Mary. Okay. Then verse 20 says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So now an angel of the Lord gives Joseph a totally different perspective on the situation here. And there in verse 21, we see the purpose for the birth of Jesus Christ clearly stated. He came for the purpose of salvation. It says he will save his people from their sins. And John 3.16 and 3.17, very familiar verses, right? Um, it's what we're talking about. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever would believe on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And in verse 17 of John chapter three says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So that's the purpose of Jesus coming, okay? So as we remember the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Again, which is quite frankly what Christians should live out all year long. We must do so though with the knowledge that the reason that he came to the earth was to save us from our sins. He did not come to establish any religion at all. He didn't come to make a religion. He did not come to establish a holiday. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. And the lost, at least at one point in time, was every one of us here in this room this morning. Jesus came because we needed a savior. 
And God loved mankind so much that he wants us to spend all of eternity with him. So he went to such a great length to redeem us. And we see the way in these scriptures we're reading how all of that unfolded through Mary and Joseph. Do you ever stop and think about, though, how powerful it is that the God of all creation, our creator, wants to spend all of eternity with us? That he came to the earth as God in the flesh and he offers the opportunity for us to be in good fellowship with him by paying the price for our sins, the sins that made us deserving of death and eternal separation from a holy God. We're not worthy in in the lives that we live, in the way we've lived our lives. We're not worthy to stand before a holy God for all of eternity and be blessed with his presence, but he came down. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And then he walked on this earth and he ascended back into heaven. Of course, first before he ascended back into heaven, he died to pay the price for our sins, but he ascended back into heaven where he came from. And now he has prepared a place for us, a place where we will spend all of our eternity. We will pass from this temporary life and into an eternal life in heaven with God. And it all started with what we celebrate this time of year. It all started with God becoming flesh, born as a baby, born in a manger, coming to this earth. But let's move on. Verse 22 here in Matthew says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So here's another fact regarding the birth of Jesus Christ. And I've kind of already alluded to it. He came as God in the flesh. So Jesus is born Emmanuel, which means God with us. The scripture here does not say that Jesus was born a good person with us, right? It does not say that Jesus was born a prophet with us, right? Or a new religious leader has come to the earth. No, he was not merely a man that spoke about God nor was he a man that became a God. He is God that became a man. The God of all creation became flesh and dwelt among us. None of us will ever become gods, nor were we ever gods at any time before. Jesus alone was God in the flesh. Then Joseph, verse 24, goes on and says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So in spite of how difficult this surely must have been for Joseph, we see that he was obedient to the angel of the Lord, And he continued to walk in his integrity. He continued to walk in purity toward his bride to be Mary, right? It says there in verse 25 that Joseph did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, which was Jesus, right? After that, 
He knew her plenty of times because they went on to have several more children together. Mary and Joseph went on to have several more children together. Mary was not a perpetual virgin, okay, as a prominent doctrine in our world teaches, right? This is a doctrine of men. It's not a doctrine of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible teaches that Mary and Joseph had other children together. You can read it in Mark. I think it's Mark chapter 1 where it talks about the brothers and the sisters of Jesus that Mary and Joseph had together. But now, let's turn back again to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse one, Luke chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all People, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, it's amazing, isn't, isn't it, that, that the God of all creation, again, became flesh and dwelt among us, but he didn't come as a conquering king or as a high and mighty prestigious leader, okay? He came as a baby, born in a stable out back of an inn, And the inn had no room for him, right? And his birth was first proclaimed to a lowly group of shepherds, okay? So he didn't come with all this pomp and circumstance, okay? The shepherds were considered outcast in that day. And the good tidings of great joy was proclaimed to them first. And the good news that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds was good news that was for all people, as it says there. You see that there in verse 10. It was for all people. It wasn't just for a select few. It wasn't just for good people, the religious folks, right? The holier than thou's. And ultimately, it was not just for the Jews either because we know from the book of Acts that the gospel went out to all the Gentiles as well. And we here this morning are, of course, beneficiaries of that fact. But Jesus loves the outcast. Have you ever felt like one, right? I know I have, but we must understand the beauty and the power of God's gift to us. 
In the book of Romans chapter five and verse eight, it says that God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, he didn't just come for the good, for the holy, for those that, that may have been, there was, there's none without sin, but there are those that thought they were. He didn't just come for them. You see, the message of God's love in Jesus Christ is indeed for all people. And again, it was proclaimed to this lonely group of ragtag shepherds. You see, later on, as Jesus grew into manhood and the high and the mighty religious people would reject him and, and then they would ultimately put him to death. Religion had no place for Jesus. And though many religions name the name of Jesus today, many of the people of those religions have no place for Jesus in their hearts and in their daily lives. They just simply keep Jesus in their religion. And they go and see him on Christmas and Easter. And that's the extent of it for them, right? But again, the shepherds here are receiving these glad tidings. And in verse 12, the angel continues to speak to them and, and says, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So the shepherds now heard this wonderful news from the angels and they ran quickly to where Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were. And then in verse 17, it says, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told concerning this child. So these shepherds didn't keep this news to themselves. Instead, they made it widely known. When it came to the good news of Jesus Christ, these shepherds were the first preachers, the first evangelists, the first missionaries. God used a group of people that everyone else despised to do the greatest work of all times, and that is to spread the good tidings of great joy. And today, nothing has changed. The Lord Jesus is still offering his peace to all that will receive it. You know, prior to Jesus going to his death on the cross, he was comforting his disciples and he told them and he, he said to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the peace that Christ our Savior brings to this world is an internal peace and an eternal peace. Right? It's a peace that we have in our hearts because we have come to the place where we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ and by his Holy Spirit, he comes and takes up residence in our hearts. You see, the story is much more detailed than what we'll study here this morning. But Jesus came to give us hope and joy. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel, prophesying of what Jesus would do, said, 
I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Let me read that again. I think I've messed it up. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I did read it right. But that is why Jesus is the reason for the season, right? We need a savior to save us from our sin. Someone to come in and to change us on the inside to make all things new. Take a heart of stone and turn it into a tender heart, something soft, something that that understands that we need a God, we need a savior. Sin destroys us from the outside in, but Jesus makes us new from the inside out. And the question is, what do we do with these good tidings, this good news of the birth of Jesus? We all know it today, right? What does it mean to us? What did the shepherds do with it when they heard it and they saw it? They spread it. But verses 18 and 19 here says, and all of those and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Like I've said, this was the most amazing night. Mary, such a young girl, has a baby to raise, but she will do so with God's favor upon her. The people marveled and Mary wondered, what did the future hold? What's this all about? This is amazing circumstance, right? What else does God have planned for this baby boy? Verse 20, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And you know, this coming week, As we celebrate Christmas, I encourage you to take some time and ponder the truth about Jesus in your own heart. You see, this baby, of course, grew up to be a man and, of course, suffered and died for our sin. And you can find out more about this man, Jesus, by simply reading through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I encourage you to make that a goal, at least for the new year, to read through all of those, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you know, the more that we place the eyes of our hearts upon Jesus, we find that much like these shepherds, we will begin to glorify and praise God for all the things that our hearts will begin to hear and to see. I really do like that song that we sung this morning. Do you, what's it called? Do you see what I see? Right? Because it's a, it's a progression of the story being told. You know, it starts out with the lamb and then goes on to the shepherd boy and then on to the king. And then the king tells everybody, right? And really, that's it. We have to take this message, what Christ has done in us. It's very simplistic. It's not, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be certified in any way, shape or form. Just know what God has done in your heart, what he continues to do in your heart. And we take those tidings of good joy, of joy, right? We, we pass it on to other people and we share it, right? And, and first of all, it starts with us being changed from the inside out. And that happens as we fix our eyes on Jesus and we turn our eyes to him, okay? So 
it's very, very easy just to forget this very simplistic, very real, true meaning of Christmas, that it's all about this, this story we just read, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For what purpose? So that whoever will believe on him will not just perish but have everlasting life. We can have an eternity in heaven with God. And God provided this through his son, Jesus Christ. So we must praise God. That's what it's all about. Again, for us Christians, Christmas is every day. Not the gift-giving part and, and the decorating your houses and all of that kind of stuff, but Christmas is every day in our hearts, and that's Christ in us, right? We know that in our society today and in our world today, people have taken Christ out. They still call it Christmas, but many people, when you go into a store, they're not allowed to say Merry Christmas to you, right? They have to say Happy Holidays to you, right? But that doesn't change it for us, right? Because Christ is in us. Christ is in our heart. And the thing that we need to know is that they need to know what we know. They need to know what the shepherds knew and what the shepherds were the first people to go out and proclaim. Now today, we are to be that, those people. Again, it's not a matter of going and standing on the corner and shouting and screaming out to people, but there's people in our world, there's people in our sphere of influence that we work with that we pass in our families, that we can just say, hey, you know, the Lord loves you. It's, you know, and this is what I'm learning about the Lord and, and this is what I've come to know about him. And then take it from there. Let the Lord do his work. But it's, it's the greatest news. It's the greatest story, okay? That God loved the world, that he gave us his only son. God himself became flesh. And we can now have Christ in us. We, by the Holy Spirit, we can have him within us. But we can't just keep it within us. We got to spread it, spread the news. So Merry Christmas and thanks for coming out. Let's pray and then uh, we'll do a couple more songs before we leave. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your great love, God. There is no greater love, God, than, than what you have given. Lord, to a world that is so undeserving, to a world that has turned their back on you, even to this very day, Lord, you extend your hand of love Lord, and I know that there are many people that listen to this teaching via the internet, Lord, and I pray for them that are out there right now that are maybe coming upon this, this message, Lord, and, and hearing it, Lord. And I pray that they will know that there is a God who is their creator who, who loves them, who loves them so much so that he became flesh and walked on this earth and he went to the cross and died. That, that, that they might come, that we all might come into a relationship with our creator. So I pray for them, Lord. I pray that they will come to that knowledge of you, that they will turn their hearts to you today. And I pray for each and every one of us here this morning, Lord, that we will realize that you have given us a new heart, Lord, that you have taken away the heart of stone, Lord, that heart that, that was calloused to the things of you and to the truth of your word. And you have given us a new heart, Lord. And you have given us a new life and a new hope, a new and a living hope, Lord, that we don't have to walk through this life hopeless because we have you within us. So thank you, Lord, for your presence within us each and every day. I just pray your will be done in our lives as we go forth into a new week. And we thank you again for this time here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.